Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the 186 Squadron podcast. Uh, I'm Alex Burt and I'm joined by Paul Fullon. Hello. And Cormac Higgins. Hello. I had to stop myself from saying as usual then, because there's nothing usual about anything that we do anymore. I was going to say, uh, it's it's not surprising you can't count the episodes given how rapidly you're uh, you're pumping them out. I, I, I know, go. right? <laughs> tricky to keep up with. It is. Speaking of things that are tricky to keep up with, it's been a bit of a slow news week in the X-Men world, hasn't it? Well, where do we start, right? Um, since the 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 benefit, I think, of uh, of of not recording an episode for ages is that hopefully we kind of going to hit most of this all at once rather than everyone else has, has been kind of struggling to to keep up with the ever-changing nature of it but um, it sounds like we may be a kind of finalized uh, version of the game uh, for the first time in a while that is quite exciting and i suppose we owe everyone that's all two of you that will listen to this after such a prolonged absence uh, an explanation of why we're even coming back in the first place i guess uh, but it's basically just that there's a lot of change, there's a lot of interesting new stuff, and I thought it would be neat and a good excuse to kind of get together and just sort of have a chat about it. Uh, partly because I've been very much out of the loop on the sort of days, day in and day out kind of changing of everything, um, but the kind of new changes have got me sort of interested again, really. Um, and you guys seem to have been paying attention the whole time and are pretty knowledgeable on sort of where things are at the moment and where things have kind of been over the last, I don't know, however long it is since we last did this, I guess. Um, so yeah, like we're back and I'm just self-indulgent enough to think that someone will care enough to listen to us, maybe. Well, hopefully we should have a, an interesting-ish perspective on it, right? Because I think as as uh, the listeners will discover over over the next kind of hour um we're coming at it from from different uh points of view i think our initial reactions to the to the um to the changes have been have been different across the three of us and we've yeah. also got a kind of mix where where cormac has been really active recently I'm, I'm i've been to a few tournaments but not to all of them and and yourself alex are kind of waiting to get back into it and i think that that adds something as well where you get the perspective of people who presumably are still enjoying X-wing because we're we're still doing it, and then someone who has been waiting for all this to settle down. So I think I'm I'm excited to hear what you think and and how this is going to affect your enthusiasm for coming back, basically. Yeah, totally. And like I don't know, I was I was very I was so on the cusp of like like packing my tournament case and going and playing some games in the game store, and then the I don't know, the, the announcements happened and everyone got really bummed out and I was just like, oh, if everything's changing massively, then like, can I really be bothered to try and figure out what a list is at the moment? Um, and my interest just kind of dropped off a cliff at that point, really. Um, similarly with my interest in doing any kind of podcasting, because oh, if I'm not playing, then I'm certainly not going to be interested enough to go the extra mile and make podcasts about it either. Um, but with the kind of latest stream and uh, the kind of bigger picture changes, I suppose, I've kind of gotten to a point where, like, oh, it's coming soon. I'm actually broadly excited by a lot of this stuff. So yeah, let's see what's what. So maybe the, a good place to start is um, uh, for the one of the two people listening who, who doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, 
Uh, Cormac, uh, would you mind giving us a, a brief rundown what has changed, um, uh, and then and then maybe we can start talking about what we think of it. Well, um, I suppose there's been a couple of things. If we start at the very start, um, AMG have taken over the game from FFG, and we've been waiting for the last 12 months, really, to see what that was going to turn out to be, um, what changes they were going to make, was there going to be any changes, was there going to be any new releases. And in the last three or four months, they have done a couple of streams with us where they've started to give us an idea of what they're planning and the plans that they have were quite surprising really and i think over the particularly over the last stream over the one previously we've had a lot more changes that we weren't really expecting um because there's a lot of changes to the core rules that they're looking at how you bids are basically gone um, we now have a system where you have random order after dials. So you roll every turn to see who's actually got initiative that turn. Um, and they're looking heavily into scenarios. They've changed obstacles. Lots of different changes throughout the whole thing. That is probably going to change the fundamentals quite a lot of the game. But the core of the game, hopefully, will still be pretty similar. Cool. And uh, um, what uh, are you like? If we start with the rules, are there are there individual rules changes that stand out to you? Either ones that you kind of really like, really, really uh, are worried about, or, or ones that you kind of just don't understand? Um. So, I think yes, but I think you everything is almost in context. So when they first did the stream. I think it was two months ago, they showed us a the random order after dials, which in isolation seemed absolutely crazy. And at the time, I remember myself, I was watching that stream and going, what are they doing? Why, why do we need this? Um, and I think that was probably the biggest change and the one that was going to impact the game the most at the time. Um, as we've now got a little bit more information about what they're trying and planning to do with scenarios, it does seem to make a bit more sense. So I think when we go into the detail of scenarios and how that works, I think we'll start to see that there is a little bit of reasoning and logic behind it. Whether you agree with that or not is debatable, but at least you can. we're starting to see a little bit more of a plan of where they're going. Whereas six weeks ago, the communication and their... I suppose the communication about their vision for what they were trying to do was exceptionally poor and we were the decisions did not really make sense in isolation mm. yeah because i remember like i was sort of half paying attention when the kind of removal about bidding uh was sort of spoiled i suppose um and they said that they were going to make player order random but didn't go into any detail about what that meant and so a lot of people were kind of assuming it meant sort of random at the start of the game and it would stay fixed. And then they were was it, they were going to do a game on stream with the new rules, but then their internet was down because of too much snow or something. So then they 
spoiled the section of the rules that they were talking about and it ended up being you roll a bunch of dice every single round after you set your dials and then determine who the first player is and the first impression to that was just like what this sounds like absolute madness why would they do that um but then they sort of i remember them spoiling like a few more snippets here and there um and it actually made a lot more sense kind of in context with those as well so like the uh changes to bumping and stuff like that um and there's a good rundown of um the changes from the most recent stream that i think was put together by hexard gaming is that right yeah absolutely yep. yeah so that's what i've been like looking at mostly um when sort of chatting to people and sort of trying to figure out what i think about things and it seems like a really good summary but yeah the um the the, the game the other day was sort of as far as i'm aware like the first time we sort of saw everything kind of come together and get like a fuller picture of everything is that right yeah, yeah. in the stream though they they seem to i mean i don't i, I Cormac, you, you've both already mentioned it um and I, I don't think we need to say too much about the communication i i think in general uh, the community thinks that it that it could be better, but um, they did seem on the on the most recent stream to to be fairly set in the changes they want to make and how they want the game to work. Uh, and they also um, sort of acknowledged that that they know that it that it's going to require a lot of balancing from a kind of points and ship abilities, you know, uh, a point of view, or, or that's going to need a lot of work. Um, and so they had had initially on the last stream said that it was all going to be done by the end of this year. And I think I think quite sen- although I'm frustrated by it, I think quite sensibly they've they've delayed that for two months because they and I think it's it's good uh, that they've realised that that the, the balancing is going to take time. Um, I think if if you're being critical, you might ask why that's only occurred to them in the last sort of few weeks uh, rather than the, the preceding sort of year, but um, it is it is good that it's uh, that it has occurred to them, and and I think uh, definitely better off with a, a finished rule set uh, with a, with balanced ships to go with it, rather than having the rule set uh, before the ships are balanced. Yeah, because like my my kind of initial take was that oh maybe they're just doing this because they're like new to the game, and it's kind of like when you get a new manager at work, right? They they need to put their stamp on something, so they sort of change something arbitrarily just so that they can say that they've done something. Um, and it almost feel, felt like that's what they were doing. But then the more I heard, the more it seemed to me, at least, that they there was like method to the madness, basically. Like they, it was more than just putting a stamp on it for the sake of it. And and it seemed a lot more thought out. Like they'd actually, I don't know, they want the game to be a certain way. And for better or worse, their game is sort of stale or on the way out or I don't know. However you want to sort of frame it. Um, and they want to ensure that the game has a a long life. And I remember the the stream that I watched were with the um, oh, I can't remember what the actual focus of it is. But the thing that struck me was that they were explicitly saying they want Ted X Wing to still be a game in ten years time, um, and they feel like mixing it up is necessary to do that. I'm like I'm horribly paraphrasing it, but like that was the gist that I got from it, and. Um, especially after like the armada announcement um it kind of gave me the impression that like okay well maybe they haven't quite figured it out yet but at least their their heart's in the right place and they they kind of want to make sure the game 
keeps drawing in new players and keeps releasing product and doesn't just sort of wrap up and go the way of Imperial Assault or whatever. Yeah, I think I'm coming at this from a slightly more negative position than than, than you two. Um, I, it's it's not a stretch to say that every time uh, they've announced a new rule, my initial reaction has been to hate it. Um, but every time I've tried it, I've kind of softened on that a bit. And, and I think I am not at a position, so talking about the, you know, random order after dials, you know, the lack of bids, the deficit scoring, um, and even the more sort of recently uh, announced changes like the changes to obstacles, the tractor changes, um, the bumping in particular. I don't know that I'm convinced that any of those were needed, certainly not for the 206 deathmatch version of the game. Um, and so I do think I do think the motivation is is them wanting to put their stamp on it, you know, wanting it to be their thing. But the reality is that it's their game and we need them to like it because if they don't like it, they're not going to take care of it and they're not going to uh, put effort into it. So, yes, they're probably trying to make it a little bit more like Marvel Crisis Protocol, which is the game that sort of they, they're most associated with. Um, and and I don't know that I love that they're doing that, but they are doing it. And so so I'm left in the position of, well, does that does that damage the game to the point where I don't enjoy it anymore? And so far, no, it doesn't. And uh, you know, we've I've been playing throughout. I've played when we thought it was uh, no bids and random order at the start of the game. I've played a bunch of games uh, with Road. Um, over the weekend, uh, all three of us have played um, both the scenario that they showed um, and uh, a game using the updated rules that they described. And it's always still felt like X-Wing. Uh, it's always still been fun. Um, and it, and I'm happy to keep playing on that basis. You know, that the, they have not yet turned it into something that is is not fun. And and. I'm sure a lot of people have tried that, and if you if you have given it a go and tried it and you don't like it, fair enough. You know, I understand why you would be sad about that. Um, for the people though who haven't tried it, haven't given it a chance, and are just are just doing what I initially did, which is that kind of gut going off their gut reaction, definitely give it a try. These changes are are not as impactful as you might imagine, and X Wing still feels like X Wing. And I think the. Sorry. No, well, I was just going to add, like, I mean, I think for me, a big thing as well is the tone of the conversation from AMG has changed as well. If you are someone who is listening to this and you only watched that first stream from whenever it was October, um, you will probably still be in a relatively negative mindset about AMG's approach to it because they essentially told you that the game you know is not the correct way to play it. And if you watched the last stream... Um, it is like a different group of people were giving it. There was a, the tone was better. There was no, um, I suppose, underlying arrogance about knowing it. There was a definitely almost more of humility to, we haven't got this right yet, but we're determined to get it right. So we're going to try this. It wasn't just Joust Wing, which we were all imagining after the first stream. Um, now, you can also argue that really is 
they should have communicated what they really wanted to better at the, after that first stream. But at least now we're starting to see maybe they're not good at communicating, but maybe actually if we see some more stuff, we can actually start to build up a picture of what they want. Mm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So um, just to go into a bit more depth, I suppose, about particular rules, um, the the thing that stood out for me from the most recent rules um, negatively, in a negative way, um, in fact, why don't why don't I try and be more reasonable uh, with them? There were there were some there are some rules that they've announced which I think are super sensible, and I, I don't have any I can't find any fault with. Um, so they announced on their first stream uh, that um, you once you've scored half points in a deathmatch scenario, you keep them even if the ship uh, regens above it. Um, and I think that's really good. I think people don't enjoy regen. Um, uh, you still get some benefit for it because it stops your ship dying, um, but you can't take away an achievement that your opponent has, has already sort of worked towards and made. I thought that was, you know, I, I honestly, I cannot think of a negative for that. That's a really good rules change. Um, it's, you know, maybe the admin of it is slightly more complicated. Um, the, the, the obstacle changes, I think are okay. I'd, with those, um, so, so now just to sort of outline them for people, um, Obstacles are, are more punishing than they used to be. They're more likely to damage you. Um, if you are on any kind of obstacle, you, you're not shooting. Um, and the kind of flip side to that is if you if you fly entirely through an obstacle other than the debris, you can still take your action. So they've they've softened that a little bit, but in general, obstacles are, 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 are much more dangerous than they used to be. And just to double check with the debris, it's the stress that prohibits you taking the action, not the action of flying over it. Yeah, absolutely. So like, if you, I don't, I can't think of anything specific. But if there's basically, if there's a anything that can allow you to ditch your stress between going over the debris and taking your action, you can still do the action. Yeah. So Anakin Skywalker uh, in the Delta Seven, and I think and the ETA, um, and Neon Numb are the ones that spring to mind that that could both do it. Um, yeah. uh, and you know, there are some crew as well that allow you to sort of take a damage to take an action when you're stressed. I think. I think. Um, so, so that all sort of uh, still works um, in the same way that it used to for, for debris. Um, and they changed the damage from the debris so that it's a hit or a crit, you take a damage and you don't take crits anymore. Is that right? Yes, yes. As, as far as we know, yeah. There was, it did well, sound did like there was no crit. Crits didn't matter anymore from obstacles. Hmm. So... Those changes, for me, fall into kind of a middle category of changes that MG have made, where I don't mind them. I think that's fine. If if obstacles had always worked that since, like that since the beginning of the game, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'm not convinced it was necessary. I don't, I don't really understand why they felt obstacles needed to be more punishing. Um, I wonder if that is a bit of a hangover. So I, I've never liked gas clouds because I felt like obstacles should mean something and they should be difficult. And if you're deciding to go over them, that should be an option that's available to you, but with a huge downside. And gas clouds kind of removed that for me. Um, yeah, I kind of wondered if that was if that was kind of what started it. And they sort of thought like, well, gas clouds are a bit too good for certain lists. So maybe let's take a look at them. And then like, oh, well, we're at it. Why don't we look at the others as well? Yeah, and and... From watching, like I watch a lot of streams, and from watching streams, I'm not seeing people piling through uh, through asteroids or th uh, debris. Actually, you know, debris. There are a lot of ships that can ignore, but but the asteroids in particular, 
I'm not seeing people flying through them. And and on the odd occasion where my opponent does it to me or I do it to some my opponent, it's always surprising. No one's really ready for it. So I'm a little bit sad that that now, you know, especially with an asteroid, the chance to take two damage, there are going to be very few ships that that, that consider that. Um, and it, it feels even more niche than it was uh, already in terms of just flying through an obstacle to, to get a shot. Um, so, yeah, so I'm kind of, you know, I don't hate it. I think it's fine. It doesn't change how X-Wing feels. It's not a big problem. It It's a rule that makes sense. You know, it's it seemed to be, from what they've described, clear and, and ambiguous. Um, I'm not sure it was necessary, but but that's not not really very important. Um, yeah, I don't know. My, my, I, I suppose a more cynical reading could be like a lot of people um, were sort of very vocal on the internet about AMG trying to remove skill from the game. So like maybe this is their way of saying like, oh, we're making obstacles more punishing. So you still have to have some skill. Um, yeah, that's I don't think fair. that is it, but I don't know. It would be amusing if it was. No, and and it does balance that out, right? Like it, I think I think that's a big thing, and and like Cormac said earlier with the jousting thing, it was night and day between the two streams. The the message in the previous stream was like, oh, this game's fun. Just roll some dice. If you don't think that's fun, you're doing it wrong, you know. And and I think that's what put a lot of people's backs up. And I, I honestly, I watched that stream and I was I felt it's kind of kind of pathetic, right? It's a game. I felt really sad um, watching it. I thought I, I know they've they've taken away my thing. Um, so I watched this stream... that stream after I'd seen everyone's reactions online. So I think I kind of came into it with quite well-managed expectations. And it, I was, I don't know, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be, basically. But maybe if I'd watched it sort of live, I'd have felt differently. Yeah, and I we'd been playing a few games as well. So there were a few of us in the ring, which pro- so we were probably all winding each other up a little bit, which, which didn't help. Um, but this latest stream, like, Cormac said the tone was different, but not only the tone, the stuff they were talking about was there wasn't the focus on oh we don't want feels bad oh it should be easy for a new player to pick it up. Having played it, I don't think it is easy for a new player to pick it up, and I, and I think that is fine actually. I think that's a good thing for getting people to be interested in the game and, and get them sticking around. Um, and so that was really reassuring, um, you know. And and I suppose the obstacles are a really nice example of that. Because they're certainly going to be more feels bad now than they used to be. Uh, with obstacles, certainly, but like, I think in general, maybe not. Like especially if standard format becomes kind of the default. So like that's I mean, that's one of the elements. Like the the kind of removing the feels bad aspects are something I'm super in favour of. Um, and like tractor beams being like a real example of that. I'm like I'm I'm very happy that they have done that. Uh, because I don't know, tractor so what beams are they... like my worst. So tractor tokens, tractor ships can no longer be moved onto obstacles, um, as far as I understand it. Why, Alex? Why? Why can't they be, or why am I happy? Why? Why? Be? Why both? Why can't they be? <laughs> why would you possibly be happy with this terrible decision? Uh, well, because being able to like turn off a ship's ability to shoot is like an absurdly powerful ability and i don't think that there has been an iteration of the points where they've been able to point it correctly no particularly now when you are every single obstacle is going to deny you the opportunity to shoot i think it's something that they had to do because otherwise it just would be very unfair um at least if you had taken gas clouds, you would say, okay, well, at least I can shoot on this if I'm ever getting tractors. 
now not being able to do that. I think the fact that they ramped up the negative to obstacles means that this is a reasonable change. And I think that's there's a lot of stuff that we'll talk about that everything seems now and then I think we can go back and talk about the why, but there are a lot of changes that they make that are sensible based on a previous change that they have made. Yeah, um, I, and I think the tractors is an example of that with the obstacles. Yeah, I hadn't really considered it in the in the sort of view of the of the in the worst obstacles. I was just like, ah, oh, I hate tractor beams, and they've made yeah. them less annoying. Isn't this brilliant? Um, but yeah, like, I don't. More seriously, like it is partly feels bad, but also like tractor beams for me have either always been way too cheap, like when quad jumpers at the beginning of two point were everywhere, and it was just like okay guess i'm playing this kind of game again and it's just i don't know if you're playing the kind of ship that gets like seriously punished for being tracked then it just makes the game really really difficult which sometimes it can be good right like i'm not i'm not i don't want an easy ride all the time but um yeah in my opinion they've either been too cheap or too expensive and when they're too expensive you get to that game in a tournament where someone runs them anyway and it's like why why i didn't i didn't tech for tractor beams because no one's running them and now this is going to ruin me um so yeah personal bias is basically the answer yeah annoyingly you've both made really good points um i think i i think cormac's absolutely right and it's not something i'd immediately thought of either yeah clearly if if there's no safe obstacle on the board, then the amount of safe space from tractor tokens is probably prohibitive from tractor be- being from being tractor beamed is probably prohibitively small. Um, I think a theme with a lot of the changes they're making is that there is a core change, something they've decided they need to make, and then there's a load of knock-on effects. And it's definitely good that they're noticing that, right? It would have been horrific if they hadn't changed tractor beams and they changed the obstacles. So props to them for for noticing and for making the required changes. I think I'm less happy about it because, as I say, I'm not convinced the obstacle changes were needed. So if I'm not convinced the obstacle changes were needed, I instead of seeing the tractor change as this kind of required thing that in, that keeps the game safe, I'm like, well, it's a it's collateral damage from an obstacle change you might not have needed to make. Um, yeah, I kind of get I, what you mean. But like I, I don't know, the the higher level sense that they feel a bunch of changes are necessary and they're doing all of this extra work that maybe they didn't anticipate needing to do in the first place, like bodes really well for me for their sort of longer term intent for the game, which is why I'm quite excited about it, even if I'm not super thrilled by all of the changes sort of in isolation. Like the kind of package of it and the the fact that it's happening at all is like very positive in my opinion. Yeah, and I think, uh, sorry, Cormac, um, you, you go first and then I'll come in. No, well, I just wanted, just wanted to add there on the obstacle part of it as well, is that I think, to, to go back where you say you're not mad on the obstacle changes, like I mean, my counter to that would be, I'm actually really, I am quite positive about those because I think it's something that we've seen in 2.0 is we've seen, obviously, the gas clouds, which were an issue in themselves. But we've seen a lot of, of say, what you'd classify as spam list so maybe six ships that were very super efficient and historically obstacles were always a tool that you had in your list um and turn zero to help you beat those kind of lists if you didn't have a, a list that was able to go toe-to-toe in a direct joust with them and 
I think it's something that in 2.0 we saw that with a lot of um, passive uh, modifications um, and a lot of, you know, just the ability to spam ships that it didn't matter if you went over an obstacle and took a damage or you went over a gas cloud and you took a strain, it really was irrelevant. Whereas now obstacles have become relevant again, which then makes them relevant to actually how you plan your game, how you plan your approach. And you are able to go, and, the good players are going to be able to actually leverage that more than probably it has been in the last 18 months. Um, obstacles were always helpful, but I think now they will come back to being that good turn zero being really more important. Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. Uh, I think it's, I think a lot of these things for me are, are, are the scale of the problem and the precise cause of the problem. So I, I think we should move on from obstacles now. But but sort of, I'd say the last thing. Um, I think you, again, you make you make really good points. But but I think why we're coming at this differently because I think we're both in favour of of obstacles that really hurt you. And I think um, we're both decent at using that to our advantage. Um, I, for me, I think that the key problem with the obstacles is not all of the obstacles in general it's gas clouds um so that's so i'd be like right well you've got to change gas clouds rather than everything um and um and i do think and and also from the scale of the problem point of view i haven't seen these generic lists that are continually running through obstacles um and i think that the scale of the problem matters right i think that that for to make a major change the problem that you're fixing has to be serious and it has to occur often enough for it to be an issue. And that I think is something we'll get onto in a minute with, with blocking. Mm. Um, I think yeah, the other final it's... point, sorry, the other final point from what I was going to say is just, you started off Alex by saying, oh, you, you like that they're getting rid of some of the feels bad stuff. I think my problem with that is that is different depending on who you talk to. And so. Oh yeah, totally. And I, I'm, and... I'm very open about the fact that a lot of the stuff I find feels bad. And so I'm glad that they're removing it because I don't like it personally. And I, yeah. I get that that's not for everyone. And like, I don't know, I'm not sort of mildly guilty of having that opinion considering how upset a lot of people have been, but at the end of the day, I, I'm still quite excited by it. Yeah. I think it's for me, there's balance, right? So, so I think it's fine to like that something you don't enjoy is not in the game, right? That's that's fine, but but I think you need to understand that if they removed everything that that everybody didn't enjoy, there would be no game. You know, um, I always use this this analogy, but um, I was very cool and popular growing up, uh, and me and my few friends uh, used to have LAN parties. This won't mean anyone to any. <laughs> X-Wing, so there is no one young and um, we used to play a game called total, total annihilation it was like an early um uh real-time strategy game and we play it for hours and hours and hours because we were really bad and no one knew how to min max it um and then someone would win using some piece of tech a nuke or a big bertha gun i think it was called or whatever and then for the next game we would remove that unit and we kept doing that until it was this gray stalemate that lasted forever and it, because every time you lose, it feels bad, right? And you're like, oh, that gun feels unfair, right? We're not having that in the next game. Oh, that nuke feels unfair. We're not having that in the next game. And and if you... So there needs to be balance. And, and I think what I, I worry... I worry about the kind of removal of stuff based on... I don't know where they're getting the information from, right? Is it that they as individuals don't think it's fun? Well, I suppose, you know, they're the game designers and that's fine. Is it that they're listening to the internet? Well, I think that is 
dangerous because it's, it tends to be full of vocal minorities having an argument with each other. Um, and I do worry about the removal of, 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 you know, stuff because it feels bad because, because then you, you end up with, with no fun bits of the game. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, I see your point, but like that almost feels like a slippery slope argument. And yeah, yeah, I don't, that's right. I don't I'm, know we're not that... there yet, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I, I think it's kind of fair enough. Like, definitely, there should definitely always be an element of caution when you're sort of removing elements that are like quote unquote NPE or whatever. Uh, but like, like ultimately, if they've had a lot of feedback from people that they don't enjoy this particular mechanic, um, I'm quite glad that they're sort of taking it on board, and it doesn't seem like they've gone too far with it. Um, I'm sort of saying that cautiously because, uh, who knows? Like maybe it is a slippery slope, and we'll all end up playing like X-wing versus Tie Fighter with no upgrades in a year. But um, I don't if think they if happens. they get rid of my Jedi, I am going to go Big Bertha on them. <laughs> so um i think there's one more sort of specific rule i'd like to hit and get you guys opinion on before we move on to the kind of bigger changes in terms of formats uh, um and that's the the bump rules uh, and so in brief uh, now if you bump in when you bump you work out where your ship would have landed like the end point of the ruler or the, uh, and or the template, the range ruler, right? A movement template. End point of the template. Does that overlap an enemy ship or a friendly ship? If it's an enemy ship, then wherever you've stopped, you know, if you're at the back of a chain of ships or if you're bumped directly into that ship, you get the option to take a focus or a calculate if it's on your action bar um, and, and a stress. Um, so obviously that kind of ameliorates some of the negative effects of um of bumping you know you don't you're not sitting there a sitting duck um weirdly to me uh if that that ship that you're bumping into at the end point of your movement template is a friendly ship uh then you can't take an action and you roll a dice and you might take some damage um and i'm i'm interested to hear what you guys say i'm not i'm not clear on why uh there's that distinction um and then Whatever you whatever you do, if you are at range zero, base-to-base contact with an enemy ship that is in your firing arc, you can fire at it, but you don't get your range one bonus, so you're at your base printed uh, attack dice cost, and you cannot modify your attack dice. The defender can still modify their defense. Um, so I've kind of said what I think, you know, the uh, or uh, what do you guys think about that? That's a pretty big change, and it's sort of pretty big change to to some of the tactical things that, that we've all done over the years in X-Wing. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose this is something that I was very, very, very fearful of because my general lists are few low to mid initiative ships um, and a high initiative ace alongside them. So generally some kind of salad and for the last 18 months probably almost definitely some kind of republic um because i just like beating myself with a stick um to punish myself um but i've always been very very reliant on bumping because i've got those low initiative ships there to basically set up areas so that then my jedi can come in and make a big hit and so the bumps thing straight away when we first heard them, and again, I think it comes back to 
I'm pretty sure in that first stream, they just mentioned that you would just get a focus and that was it. And you were going to be at range zero shooting and there was no, no more detail about it. And whether that's because, again, they have subsequently tried it and changed it and decided, oh, actually, this doesn't work. Or again, whether that first stream, they just really didn't communicate what they were trying to do. I'm not sure. So but, like, just to cut in very briefly, uh, my impression on the first stream was that the rules were work in progress. And they were just kind of giving a teaser of where they were up to. And I'm not sure if I'm misunderstanding or a lot of people just kind of didn't take the whip aspect of it on board. They, so yes and no, it was very much a work in progress, but it was almost like this is probably the rule and that's it. Rather than, um, okay, we changed some stuff about bumping. I think the work in progress implied that there was actually more rules that they were going to change, not that necessarily that specific bit was going to change. You know, it was kind of like, okay, when you bump, you, you might get a focus and that's pretty, we haven't 100% on this, but it was kind of implied that that was what it was going to be. The fact that even now that's a stressful focus makes such a big difference. Um, yeah, totally. But so for me, bumping, I'm like looking at going, well, this is this is just this is part of my game. If you take away this, this is actually such a big change to X-Wing and how I play X-Wing and how I enjoy X-Wing. Um, because I like that element of board control where I can say if I guess correctly and I put my ship there, I can block you and I can cause you trouble. Mm. Um, the changes that I think are really significant are the fact that it's now a stressful focus as the rules are at the moment which obviously could change again and the also the fact that at that range zero shot you the attacker their dice are unmodifiable and the defender can modify the dice and that makes a really big difference because for your blocker so if i've got that I2 V-Wing that's going in for the block, he zooms forward, just takes a focus, gets hope he gets the block. Um, you're always slightly concerned if he's now going to be get shot at range zero. Oh, well, my little blocker is going to die before he actually really starts to have a couple of turns of causing trouble and getting in the way. Um, the fact that now I can at least Number one, defend myself better because I can modify my defense dice. So I still have a good chance of um, not dying to that shot that I wasn't normally taking against the ship that I have bumped. Um, but also, I now have a shot. That blocker generally might not even have a shot. He might be facing away from the rest of the list. He might be have a range three on something else. The fact that he has an unmodded shot against his target it's not brilliant, but it's probably better than he would have had any shot before. So actually yeah. him him even having a shot now is valuable. And then the bigger key is normally whenever you're blocking anything, you're trying to control where they're going to be. So if they take that stress, that's a big element of control that I'm probably quite happy about. If I bump Kylo and he's not stressed, yes, He's sitting there in a duck, maybe in front of my other list, but he's got two fours. He's probably not taking much damage. And then next turn, I haven't got a clue where he's going because he could 4K, he could do the talent roll, he could do whatever he wants. Now, if he takes that stress, he is going to be more limited again, as if he had done his moves and stressed himself. So I know he's going to have to do a five forward or he's going to have to do a two hard or two bank. 
and it's restricting where he's going to go. So I think those little changes that they've done to the bumps, whether it's going to be work out, again, it's really hard to know. But I can see the benefit of thematically it makes sense, as in you're still shooting each other, but I don't think we need to worry too much about thematically. But throwing more dice is not a bad thing here because I think they've it seems like they've balanced it enough that it's not going to be really terrible for the ship that's bumped, but it's also going you're still going to have beneficial as the ship that is doing the bumping because you have a good shot and you're controlling them a little bit more and you might tempt them into getting the stress and you're like, okay, well, this actually potentially gives me more benefit to my bump. Mm, yeah, I really like that it's not as black and white as it initially seemed. Because like the, the, the sort of initial reaction to that was like, well, what's the point of playing blockers now? Um, uh, obviously for the reasons that you just kind of outlined and also after actually trying it out, um, there is there are more layers to it than you'd kind of originally think so like the the strategy the tactics the decision points are different for sure but they are still all there in albeit in different ways um so you know, just the idea that the sort of random player order and the lack of bumping would kind of take any kind of skill out of the game i think so far has been disproven for me um, so that's why I'm still kind of cautiously optimistic about it. Uh, like, so, I don't know, if you told me those in isolation like a year ago, I'd have been like, oh, that's terrible. I'm never going to play that. But after sort of giving it a go, I don't hate it. So I take your point, absolutely, that um, that the lesson we've learned is, that, is, is to maybe, you know, hold a fire on reacting and, until AMG have managed to communicate the change that they're actually making <laughs> yeah well exactly right and, and maybe with amg we, we're learning that we need to give them a little bit more time uh to to get their message across than, than we did with ffg but to come in on on the side of the angry people um for that i think there's a couple of questions i've got about about these bumping rules so you know we talked about the obstacles uh, about potential reasons that they may have for having done it you know and the knock-on reasons for the tractor tokens you know road whatever you think of it, it is clearly an effort to make up for the fact that if you have got two i5 pilots on different lists you cannot use points to to make up for the fact that one of them is moving you know at the in an advantageous way either first if they want to move first or second if they want to move second um you know so whatever you think of it there is a, there is clearly a reason what's the reason for changing the bumps you know like First of all, what's the reason for changing the bumps at all? And secondly, why is it different if you bump into your own ship? I have a couple of thoughts about this. Um, so do you mind if I go first and then Cormac, you can tell me why I'm wrong? Yep. So I think the main reason they changed it in the first place was because they were doing the random player order after dials. Um, and it kind of goes some way to sort of mitigating the general car crash that that would be and so it, it makes the bad decision slightly less bad if it is all down to random i'm not really explaining that very well but basically if you don't know whether you're moving first or second then that kind of completely takes some moves off the board but knowing that there's an element of mitigation there by being able to take that red focus by maybe still being able to take that range zero shot it so somehow brings back some of those moves as slightly more viable options um and then secondly uh sorry what was the second part 
Um, why different for self bumps? Uh, why different for self bumps is because, um, well, partly it eliminates the possibility for fortressing. Whether or not that is a problem is a separate debate, I think. Um, and secondly, I think the slowing your speed down uh, without any sort of noticeable cost is going to have much more of an impact when there are objectives um, in the scenario play. So it sounds like we're talking more knock-on effects. So we've got road to fix a, a perceived problem that you can't win moving first or second or first and second. We didn't really talk about that too much yet. So like, I know, I've got some opinions about this and I, I don't think that it has to be quite so absolute in that like it is impossible to win when you're moving first therefore we need to change the rules um, but there are definitely situations particularly once the game state is advanced to a certain point where it becomes increasingly less likely that you are able to win in that circumstance i'm sure we've all had games where we've been sort of moving far first one-on-one -on -one against a ship that can like reposition out and never ever getting a shot unless our opponent either makes a mistake or just doesn't read the board properly so removing that aspect from the game like i'm actually really in favor of and i think it makes it a lot more interesting um, and the second aspect for me is the and i could be wrong on this but this is kind of my interpretation right like removing the ability for like really deep bid lists to kind of exist in the first place um with those kind of two ship like 20 point bid like kind of lists and i think that those are firstly a kind of a point that they didn't catch when they were uh, costing everything like you shouldn't really be able to bring a bid that big and compete against the field in my opinion um, and i think that getting rid of that makes it slightly like they don't have to points balance to such a degree and with the card pool as big as it is i don't think they're ever realistically with the kind of manpower they've got ever going to be able to test to a point where everything is like balanced enough that those things don't come out after a little while each time they do points it's a bit of a long-winded answer but i hope you get my point yeah no and i think we can probably leave that there because i, th I think that argument's done right we, we've got road and you know i don't personally agree that it was an, enough of a problem i'm certainly you know perhaps incorrectly far more on the side of you know any game is winnable in any situation but uh, i think we can leave that i think you do make a like that last point actually i haven't heard anyone else make um and that is a really interesting one in that the the, the bid is clearly part of uh or an aspect of points uh, of balancing um that is difficult to manage um and so yeah I, i'd not heard anyone say that maybe they're just removing that as as to make balancing the game easier and i can almost uh buy into that as an idea um but to flip back to my uh to my original and then maybe cormac can come on this so i can see what you're saying we've got road you're going to have more bumps because you've got less knowledge about uh, where ships are going to end up so then you get your change to your bump rule and and to to lessen the impact of bumps but that would be too advantageous um, if you were allowed to do it yourself so that that's why the, the sort of the difference exists between self bumping um and 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 not which obviously makes no thematic sense but you know that doesn't really it, makes, it does make thematic sense 
for me and it i'll admit it is a bit of a stretch but basically the idea being like slowing your ships down by self-bumping doesn't really make somatic sense really um but like self-bumping potentially causing damage there's an implication that there's a flying error there and so like you're more likely to sort of clip i mean and the fact that it only applies to one of you it's you know it's it's not perfect by any stretch but at least kind of i can see where they were coming from with that um i kind of i almost wish that it worked both ways so that if you bumped an enemy ship it would also have the chance of doing damage just so that it was balanced but I can also see why they wouldn't do that because that's way more open to abuse and it would just make blocking like the best strategy by a long way most probably so yeah i, I i'll be honest i'm not super crazy about either of these changes like on their own but kind of in the wider context and because i like some of the earlier changes that have then necessitated these like again i don't hate them like, i can see why they are Sort of less popular um and like the fact that it could at least seem on the surface that like playing the blocking game and killboxing stuff is no longer going to be particularly viable that kind of bums me out because i used to really enjoy that play style um so like it totally works both ways but um again it's the the, the kind of personal bias of what you like to play kind of coming into effect but because i've been such a, a sort of list butterfly over the years there's not really like one particular playstyle i particularly identify with um so there's always going to be something that i'll find that i find fun to play so i'm less kind of invested in any one particular thing that's being taken away and i'm just quite happy that some of the things i like less are kind of going going the other way so that's very rambly but again i hope you get what i mean i'm out of practice at this cormac what where are you on this um, the self-bump thing is interesting, and again, it comes back, I, I think it's a necessity. Now, again, like with everything, that you could fundamentally ask like a two-year-old and go, why? Um, and I think this there is there is a reasonable question there, is why, why is that change? Why do that? But I think when you've got objectives, um, I think you have to have a self-bumping penalty. And I think it's fundamental of where they want the game to go. If you were able to self-bump and just stay in at one place and just keep claiming an objective every turn and set up essentially a bank so that your opponent wasn't able to approach you in any way, I think it would um, be counter to what they seem to be trying to achieve, which is actually creating more kind of um, decision points throughout the game. Um, so. I, it might not necessarily be that elegant, but I can kind of see what they're trying to do with that. Um, and, they, and the other part of it too is, and I think this is the bit, is that self-bumping is an issue if your ace bumps into one of your other ships. But if your ace is bumped into one of your other ships, you probably deserve it. It's not really as much of an issue for the type of ships that are going to be self-bumping. Yes, it's worse than it is currently for them. But again, they are probably self-bumping to control their position or to um, con make sure that they get a shot. And with so many passive mods now, most of those ships have an ability to have a passive mod. So even if they are taking a 50% chance of taking the damage, they are probably the beef list, the large base lists, the swarm type lists, 
And unless they're the ship, which you're probably not going to, but unless it's the one health ship, you're probably not going to risk bumping it. If it's a three health ship and it means that you've got a better shot on the opponent's place, you'll probably risk it. So it's a nice risk-reward balance in my mind. I think if it was automatically you took a damage, it would be terrible. But I think there's, it will come down to an individual choice. You will go, okay, I am going to do this. I am going to bump myself. There is a risk I take damage here. But actually, for my board control, this is a better position for me to be in. And my opponent probably won't expect it because he probably won't think I want to damage myself. You've said a couple of things I agree with there and a hell of a lot that I don't. Um, so This should be good. <laughs> so... So again, you know, Alex, Mutum. This is this is time. I think you're right. I think I think the um, objectives, uh, which we will come on to for anyone thinking what, um, is a is a big reason for this rule. Uh, and again, that that kind of plays into my idea about knock on effects. And and just thinking that through myself, I suppose. I suppose what they're doing is they're making some huge changes to the game and, and they will be wide ranging and they will require a number of rules changes. And, and maybe I just need to accept that. Um, I, I think where I worry about knock on effects is that it, it depends how you view what they're doing. If you view what they're doing as we are aware we're going to introduce objectives or scenario play and we're going to we're going to make all of these changes and we're happy and we plan from the beginning to do them all, then, you know, fair enough. You just you're just changing the game a lot. I think how I'm viewing it, and I've no particular reason to do this, is th is that they're sort of plugging holes in a dam, right? They've 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 made one change, and then all of a sudden water starts spurting out somewhere, and they've got to go and plug that, they've got to go and plug something else, go and plug something else. And and I think that comes down to something that we'll probably talk about at the end, which is that that my lack of faith in them means that I'm viewing it as this sort of mad scramble to keep everything working, where actually maybe it's it's was all part of the plan originally and i and i should just sort of trust what they're doing um oh, i th i think that you're like you're absolutely right on that damn analogy um but like i think that maybe that was always like that and we just kind of got used to the person with all their fingers in the holes because they kind of they'd always been there and they're sort of part of the scenery but then when the teams changed like oh they're different and we can sort of see what they're doing now and now everyone's getting wet. Now everyone's getting wet. Um, I think... If someone if someone clips this bit, I really hope they don't, because this is about 10 seconds of completely inappropriate <laughs> innuendo, if you wanted it to be. I mean, <laughs> your mind is... Two of our like... remaining listeners, if I'm being optimistic, I don't think they're going to have the, the, the inclination to do that, because like, they're probably... Probably don't care enough, I don't know. Yeah, I, I take your point. It would have been quite funny. Um, but the um, so so the the so I, as I say, I I agree that that it's probably necessary because of um, objectives in scenario play, um, and I agree with the sort of last point you you made where there is some value to be, things being unexpected, um, and both this and the obstacle choices. I suppose on the plus side, I like doing things that catch my opponent now and, and it makes it even less likely that I'll self-bump or even less likely that I'll fly over an obstacle because it's it's now more punishing. So that that I agree is a potential positive. Um I think I think the things that I sort of took issue with is I think there's there was already a downside to self-bumping in that you lost your action. Um I agree that that you probably shouldn't be able to self-bump and focus. Um 
it's just I think it's the damage that feels sort of egregious to me. Um, and but is but is just on that point is losing your action because this is something that we talked about before. But I would argue that losing your action at the moment is not as big of a deal as it potentially used to be. Like I mean, you've I, got force users, for example. You've got so many different reasons where actually you've got passive mods. It doesn't really make as much of a difference. I think that you are your view of this is really colored by the lists you've been running recently, right? You've been running a hell of a lot of, a hell of, a lot of Jedi. And yeah, I can imagine you thinking, well, I'll self-pump all the time when we're Jedi. It doesn't matter. Um, no, but I mean, I'm actually thinking of resistance. Like, I mean, I'm thinking of all those resistance, a lot of the resistant beef lists, which is something that we've seen a lot of, but almost every single time they've had some kind of ability to get double mods. And that's part of the, how they've been built and what's strong about them. But if they're getting double mods, that means they're getting single mods. Yeah, but I I think that anything where... I think any change where you're like, oh, this portion of ships need this because they're not affected by it. So yeah, so you're saying, oh, self-bumping was was too easy and too good for things with passive mods, is basically what you're saying, I think. And even like you... but, But you think like Malarus Swarm... How yeah, there's a lot of massive mods. I don't. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I don't disagree. Um, but by, but there were there were still ships that that didn't. Right. It's it's still it's still a trade off. You still don't have your action, so you're still single modded rather than double modded. If that's what your list was designed to do, there was a cost. Um, and so, and I don't think that we're going to agree necessarily, right, about what how what is an appropriate cost for that. Um, but again, for me as an individual, it's something that I thought was a really fun tactical thing to do. It feels really fun. It feels really good. If you if you self bump yourself, it often catches your opponent out, and you feel clever. And you want the game to to allow you to feel clever and to do those things. I think the other thing that I I, I sort of disagree with you on is that is you're saying, oh, if it was if it was a, a definitely take a damage, that would be worse. And actually, for me, that would almost be better. I think not knowing how damaging something is going to be um is is not a thing that i particularly enjoy and that's that's i think key to a lot of the a lot of the changes they're making are that they produce output randomness right so so there's this idea in game design where input randomness is okay so input randomness is that you start your turn making a, a with with a, a randomly generated set of conditions or having made you know something happens that's random but you can then improve that position or react to that position and change the outcome whereas output randomness is you've done everything you've made your plan and then something happens right at the end that changes it right um and and a lot of like road and and the roles for damage are output randomness like i'm gonna self bump with this ship you know i've got one health i've got three health left and i can probably survive the shots that i'm gonna take unless I take, you know, and I'm unlucky and take this damage. It just feels a bit random, and that that reduction overall in your ability to kind of plan, you know, th- and know what the outcome is likely to be, for me, takes away some of the sort of beauty of X-wing in, in, as a, as a sort of kind of deeply strategic and and tactical game, which I believe it is. Um, but you know, that's my opinion. But just think how clever you'll feel that time where you self bump um 
take a damage and it ends up being a really good play and it wins you the game. Like, say, so you can still feel clever occasionally. You you can, but I, I think it's almost the flip side for me. It's like I'm not I'm not going to feel clever if I self bump three times and never take a damage, and it keeps being viable for the turn after and the turn after and the turn after that because I've never got damaged. And where my opponent self bumps once and kills the ship, like the 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 randomness, I think it just increases the amount of times you're going. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, no, that really should be dead by now. Um, which yeah, I, that's I fair. Think, I think yeah, it's a that's fair enough point, I think. But um, I, I suppose on the other side of that, like most of the ships that would be self-bumping a lot probably have more than three health. Well, that's that's good that you brought that up because I've forgotten. That was the other thing that, that Cormac said that I disagreed with. I, I don't know. Like, is it? I, I, it will be now, certainly. Now, self-bumping is, is only a viable strategy or is a much more viable strategy for half the ships in the game and not for the other half. I think before these changes, you know, I'd, I'd be just as likely to self-bump a TIE fighter as I would be um, an ARC, right? Because it's about the position you're in rather than the actions you're getting or the oh, health yeah, like, or anything else. To be clear, like I used to self-bump with TIE fighters all the time. So that's kind of like why I said most of the ships that would want to benefit from self-bumping rather than yeah, so... like all of them. And and I think, you know, maybe it is most. I don't know that it is. I think, I think for me, I can just see problems, right? So that, so bumping is really interesting. So we 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 played a couple of games as I, as I said over the weekend, and um, bumping is now an, a different thing, right? And it's not less. It's not, I will say, categorically less uh, skillful. It's just a different set of skills. Um, I do worry about the occasions on which the first ship bumping means the second one is now self-bumping and that wasn't your intent and you're now being extra yeah. punished that is another thing that um i'm really worried about in general because it it seems to like unreasonably punish anyone who wants to do formation flying lists um because if you especially with random player order because uh, formation flying if you've got an initiative clash is never ever going to be safe again is it no no, you are going to ha- you're going to have to approach in a exceptionally loose formation, and whether that that's a plus or a minus, I'm not sure. Yeah, and, and... I, I would chalk that up as a minus, like in the kind of big picture at the moment, particularly based on, with... based on the I, I would say based on currently developed ships and cards, probably yes, because most of them were designed around being in a close proximity. We've seen that there's there's a bit of a kind of move away from that recently. Um, cause like most of the kind of global buffing effects are like a bigger range band or you don't need to fly a whole list next to them. So like, it's kind of like how runner versus Malarus, for example, like range two versus yeah. range one. True. Yeah. And again, for me, it's that kind of collateral damage, right? That's, that's maybe the point where they've plugged all the holes before that and the the sort of unintentional self bump is 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 the place now that water is leaking out and 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 that's going to be feels bad but it probably isn't going to happen often enough that it's really going to impact your enjoyment of the game over a month or a week or a tournament maybe it'll mm-hmm. impact your enjoyment of the game in a single game um, yeah and there's a there is kind of a flip side to that in that like previously when you had an initiative clash and you wanted to fly in formation like that was one of those situations where the result of the game was almost always going to be like a foregone conclusion because whoever got there where they wanted to be like unless they 
seriously outmatch their opponent in skill or strategy like it was almost always going to be like the opponent that won the initiative uh, so like classic example of this is jump masters right you'd bid so that you could move first if you moved second unless someone made a significant error or was just like way 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 better at the game even then like it was almost like every time the jump master mirror match would be won by the person moving first yeah, I think maybe I just haven't seen that meta as often as you have. And and in the metas that I've played in, the amount of player skill difference before it is still a game is quite low. You know, if, if you are genuinely equally matched, then yeah, there are definitely games where initiative um, was, was a, a large factor. Um, but honestly, I, I don't. I don't know how often players are genuinely that evenly matched. And I think as soon as there is a small difference, the better player can win, um, even in the sort of less advantageous uh, kind of initiative slot. But again, we don't want to um, sort of go back into initiative. Um, so we played a game and, and the I, I thought that the blocking was um, was interesting. Uh, yeah. But but odd. And like I'd, I forgot in the opening that how it worked. And so went in for a block. Um, uh, and then was very sad when it didn't achieve very much. Um, uh, very, very nearly got uh, got uh, uh, procketed, um, uh, not by the ship I bumped into, but my uh, my follow up ship sort of flew into dangerously close to the bullseye of, of the ship I had bumped and thought I was safe from. Um, uh, so that was kind of a weird moment. But then I realised on the turn after I was I was playing backdraft and I had my 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 back arc that what I could do is bump into the ship I'd blocked the previous round, stay exactly where I was, which is what I wanted to do, and get my bonus focus. So they kind of haven't removed that. I don't know. It, it feels, it, I don't, it felt very odd to me. Um, and I don't know how it felt to you, Alex. I think it was us playing in that game. Yeah, it did feel odd, but it didn't feel, it feel bad to me, really. Like, But then, I don't know, like, I think a part of it was, hadn't played for so long and a part of it was because it was all kind of shiny and new so like i'm i'm definitely coming into it from a different perspective to you um i, I think it was very interesting in our game that we played full on where um i had forgotten about the new bump rules and i was putting my shakti against tabson and i was like going okay well it doesn't matter if shakti will go here she'll just bump into tabson and then she's safe from that four die shot forgot the new bump rules and of course then i'm like oh my god, I'm taking four dice. Unmodded, but I'm still taking them. Now, straight away, I jumped for, oh my god, I'm taking the focus, I'm taking distress. I need, at least I have got that defensive mod against Tavson. That taking that stress then completely limited me for the next turn. And I thought it was a very interesting... Um, it's, it, it does create very interesting, different way of interpreting bumps and what you want to do because you're not safe just running into a ship and not taking a shot but then equally you might not want to take that focus and how much are you willing to risk it if then it changes what you can do next turn and i think that's that's where it change it makes it really interesting the addition of that stress i think is key it really is crucial yes i kind of took two things out of that moment like one one was the obvious one which is for all of it, it's an adjustment, right? So we'll, we'll get on to talk about it. We're playing a scenario game and I, I kind of thought I was out of it, but but kept playing almost just in case you forgot that was about to happen, uh, which it turned out you did. Um, 
But actually, looking back on it, you were right. You 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 were you had Shakti, and it's a very particular situation. You had Shakti; she'd already got an evade from the previous turn. She had some force. You didn't need to take the focus, um, okay. and and that made me think about the new bump rules. Um, and just as we were saying with the self bumping, and you know, it's now an option that is far more viable for some ship types, high health, um, you know, passive mods than than it is for others. Running into your opponent is also now far more viable for some ship types, and actually, I think mathematically, it's far more viable for aces because that trade of fire, um, as it turned out from that bump, was an unmodded because it couldn't be modded four die shot from Tavson into Shakti, who had passive mods, and just and, double and three agility player can mod. If they're attacking at range zero, it doesn't yes. matter who bumped who. No. I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. And I think but it almost has to defender, be that. Doesn't it? So you... Yeah, the defender can always mod. And I think it almost has to be that the attacker can't mod, no matter whether they were the bumper or the bumpy, because otherwise you run into problems of, you know, if you've got a lot of ships on the board, remembering who bumped who, and especially if everyone can have tokens. Um, so, yeah, so so that trade of fire was four unmodded dice into three modded defense dice unlikely to do damage statistically and then the return fire was three unmodded attack dice into one defense dice which statistically is likely to do damage so the self bump range zero trade of fire there's obviously a lot of other things that go into it as as Cormac said you can't reposition that's not nothing but the the range zero trade of fire favors high agility ships you know as I said in the chat afterwards, I'm going to take, if I've got Sintir Fell, I'll take Sintir Fell trading range zero fire with Bosk every turn of every game I ever play. Because Sintir's going to have his focus for his bullseye for one defense. He's going to be able to take a stressful focus if anything else is shooting at him. Bosk's ability counts as a mod as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. And so it'll be. As Greedo. Yeah, yeah, it'll be three on three fire in one direction and three on one fire in the other. And. That's not necessarily a problem, but it's it's a huge advantage to the aces. You know, the the self bumping is a huge advantage to high health ships, and there's all of these massive changes. And I, a... I really really worry about the ability to balance all of that, especially when you're now not only balancing it for one type of victory condition, scoring the most points, you're also balancing it for a number of other game modes, and and that. Honestly, I don't know how they're going to do it. And obstacles, just just to add on to that as well, obstacles are also now a massive disadvantage to large base ships. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, it, I mean, Dash is suddenly going to be even better. So well, I think we'll move on to Dash when we come into the ban and restriction because it would be debatable as to, I'm pretty sure there must be some degree of errata going to happen there. Well, so, I mean, the the YT2400 hasn't had a second edition release, has it? Nope. So, so I, there's a safe assumption that it's not going to be in it if standard becomes like the default, right? Yeah. So why don't we now go on? I mean, I, that was largely my fault. I've, we've talked about bumping for a long time. Um, no, I, I, like, I think bumping is like, because it's such a big change. Um, and it's like, understandably, a lot of people have a lot of really strong opinions about it. Like, I think it was it was good to kind of over everything that we were thinking really because like i don't like bumping is the one that i'm not like 
not the one, but it's one of the changes that I'm not like super in the yes or no camp on. Like it's kind of very on the one hand this, on the other hand that um, for me. Cool. But I think we've probably covered it. So let's move on to uh, new formats uh, and banned and restricted lists. And this is the bit I am the most excited about. So why didn't you explain what they've announced so far um, and uh, and what is yet to be announced? Right, so as far as I'm aware, um, there is going to be a banned and restricted list. There's going to be a standard format and an extended format. Standard is going to be kind of like, oh dear. Oh, there's AMG. <laughs> uh, let me just um, start that little point again so I can try and do a clever edit. Um, so standard, as far as I'm aware, is going to be a bit like hyperspace plus plus um, or like second edition mode, but it hasn't exactly been revealed as far as I can tell. Um, and that is where the new rules are going to kick in and the and restricted list is going to apply and extended is going to be the wild west but i don't know if that means that they're going to be implementing the changes to all the rules in extended as well or just in standard or how that's really going to work i don't know if that's been explained yet so I think really the, the implication was that the rules would be the same for both of them and but it was going to be more a case of you could use all your ships in extended standard will only have stuff that has been released in second edition or at least a ship has been released in second edition so for example the hawk has been released for scum you can use that with your rebel conversion kit to run a rebel hawk okay that makes sense yeah and i think the implication was that extended is not going to be supported and and not going to be balanced. So I think if you have got a ship like a G1A that is not in standard, it has not been released as a second edition ship, its points now are going to be its points for the foreseeable future. Um, and I, and I, I wonder, I suspect that when we get the updated points that we've been talking about, the need for all of these changes require require balancing and points changes, I suspect they will focus on the standard ships um and however much you want to play with all of your toys i think extended may very very quickly become very broken so my my take i, I my understanding was that they were only going to try and change points moving forward when they needed to so the idea being that they're going to try and get things as balanced as they can and then when the like the next Nantex spam equivalent comes out, they'll repoint that and only that, and that that'll be the the points change, and then they'll try and keep it level, as or as as static as they can moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I'm saying is speculation. It's not something they've said, but from how they've described it, standard is what they want us to play. And extended is is I think I think what they were saying by extended is look you've all owned this stuff feel free to go and play with it that's how I took it and because of that I think that their focus for the next few months and I think their focus probably should be for the next few months is is balancing standard properly so it's balancing the things that are going to be in their version of the game um, properly and I don't think they're going to have time to go and look at anything that has not been released. 
and so and like dash for instance so my suspicion would be that if you think dash is too cheap at the moment get used to it because i don't think they're going to go and look at him and change it i, I might be wrong i might be wrong yeah um, but then on the flip side of that if they're like incentivizing us to all play standard and dash isn't in standard then it doesn't really matter no and unless unless you're holding on to extended as something that you, that you as an individual need to be have access to to enjoy the game oh, yeah, so no, that was my and like my i don't know my opinions are I've got quite strong opinions that I, I really wish that they'd have the balls to make extended like the fun side mode and not really have anything in extended and have like either hyperspace or second edition be like the main competitive format because I don't think they ever managed to balance extended. I've heard people say every points release that oh extended is pretty balanced right now and every time there has been something that has been too cheap and has done way better than it should have done. Um, so I think especially with the card pool as big as it is now, having a focus on a reduced card pool and relatively static points for the sort of foreseeable future with exceptions uh, is a much more uh, sane way to approach it. And like the constant changes of point, especially if you haven't played like consistently throughout a points arc, like trying to get back into things is a real headache. Um, so this is like all personal bias and i'm not trying to say that people who like extended are wrong it's just my own personal opinion um but yeah i'd, I'd much rather have like a small reduced focused format that stays more or less the same that i can dip in and out of if my interest in the game kind of wanes and then comes back again so yeah this is yeah. something i'm really excited about and that's I'm trying to explain why really no and i think you did that well and i think uh, Cormac actually uh, was making some good points in chat earlier. I think he's probably going to get onto them later, maybe after we've talked about scenarios, um, as to as to why having just a limited format might might be a good thing. Um, Cormac, any thoughts ab about the kind of standard versus extended before we move on? No, I think like my my biggest part of it is is that I think the balancing. Um, will be difficult but i think when we talk about scenarios it'll that will have a big impact on the balancing as well and like alex said with the point deficits we may find that there's a natural balancing occurs just because you create more chaos essentially so why don't we talk about scenarios yep uh, so conceptually scenarios sound really cool to me because um i've been playing this game for far too long and to be perfectly honest like a 200 v 200 deathmatch was getting a bit stale for me especially with a kind of constant changes and not really being able to keep up with everything um so the idea that there's a new way to play and a new way to think about it i'm finding really refreshing however i don't actually know what any of the scenarios are going to be no so well of course none of us do like i mean they have released a little bit of info on that last stream there's one of the there's going to be four scenarios at the moment is what they envisage um these are going to be competitive so if you are going to go to a tournament and again we don't know how this is going to work but it sounds like it's not necessarily going to be random generated but it might be on turn one everyone plays an objective based scenario on turn two there is a change a... of the scenario every turn, like player order. 
Yeah, like yes. yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he means yeah. round. He means round one, round two. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, it was debate on ro- road. So every turn, if you if you uh, rolled a crit, you had to go for objective. Um, yeah, you can only basically... score points by capturing objectives. If you roll an eyeball, yes. then you have to shoot people. <laughs> hey, listen, for all we know, the next stream, that could be the change. <laughs> they could have moved down to a different part of the dam that is leaking an awful lot. <laughs> the thing is, I think X-Wing is, is good enough that it still wouldn't be ruined at that point. No. <laughs> um, but basically, so one is going to be objectives. The second one is going to be our standard dogfight but they did say there was going to be a change with that so i don't know if there's going to be like a uh i don't almost but i don't know who knows it could be like a fortnite reducing area or something i don't know but um they i think they mentioned a zone control one and maybe it captured the flag i didn't really pay attention to the other ones because again it's speculation but they're going to be involved different play styles for the four different scenarios. Yeah, and they're all going to happen within the same tournament, right? So the exciting bit of that, and it is exciting, is that the 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 bit of the game I play on the tube every morning, the list building, has got an awful lot more complicated and therefore, in my eyes, an awful lot more fun. You know, it is not a case of, what what will kill the opponent quicker than it kills me there are, is now a lot of other stuff to take into account that is yeah. also what i'm finding exciting but like i'm kind of finding it daunting and exciting for like slightly different reasons in that like list building at the moment i don't know how much anything costs and i don't know like if a ship costs 40 points i'm like well i don't know what else costs for an x-wing costs 40 points does an x-wing even cost 40 points anymore i don't know um so that aspect of it is kind of mind-boggling. But on the flip side, the idea that everyone is kind of in the same boat when I'm potentially coming back into it, like it feels like you know, it feels a little bit like, oh, I'm not at a humongous disadvantage because everyone's super confused and great. Yeah, and that my kind of initial reaction when you're saying that is, yeah, Alex, oh, it's brilliant for you, amazing. But then I caught myself, and, and that is amazing because... I want everyone to come back and play X-Wing. So I do not want people to be put off by the fact that our oh, Cormac and Paul have pl- kept playing. They up to speed. I have no idea what ships are good. So yeah, I, I think I think now more than ever with the pandemic and everything else that's gone on, having a, I was going to say year zero, that is not an appropriate reference, <laughs> but having a, having a point that, that, that levels the playing field and everyone has to start from scratch is is excellent. That is really good. And I hadn't thought about that before, but that that is something to be excited for. Um, yeah, and that's 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 the big one for me. Because like I think honestly, if there wasn't gonna be this massive big change and it was just kind of like six monthly points and like the same old, same old, my interest would probably have waned like even further and maybe I'd have lost touch with people and then just like now I've got different hobbies. But now, while we're sitting here recording a podcast about it, that's how excited I am. And I think as well, like I've I've played quite a lot now. With, with the return of the in real life um, play, I've played actually quite a lot now in the last couple of months. And the bit that I found interesting is is that 
without new releases and we had the y-wing and we had the bombers and they've added something new and we've got the gauntlet on the horizon but without new releases things do become stale quite quickly mm. and i think given the the change to amg and whether yeah, whether they should have been developing new stuff or whatever but it looks like there isn't that much on the horizon i think we need something that is going to shake things up a little bit because i think even myself i find now is like okay well i'm kind of done with x-wing for the next month there's nothing of i, I might try a different faction or whatever but there's nothing in republic that i'm really like oh i really want to try this because try a different fact do you even own any other factions? Yeah, annoyingly i own all the bloody <laughs> factions which is even more of a of a waste but um but it's like that it's like i've kind of gone oh well what else am i going to fly I've, I've done everything in that and i i think the game needs change in order to keep going mm. and if we haven't got change with new releases due to pandemic reasons or whatever else that has been going on due to change of ownership etc then we probably do need some kind of change for something else and if that brings back new players then excellent our old players excellent yeah and that comes back to what alex said didn't it about about it being a shame that um the ffg didn't sort of stick to their guns regarding hyperspace um and and what we all want is the game to last for a long time right that's what amg has said they want and and you're absolutely right like that one of the ways of uh, one of the things you require to do to do that is it needs to feel fresh so that your current player base keep buying the stuff you put out um and you know there is one example and only one example of a of a game with massive longevity based purely on the gameplay experience right so i'm putting putting warhammer to one side because that has a lot of hobbying stuff and a lot of other stuff going on but magic magic the gathering is the one i'm talking about and and that has a limited format as its primary format um and and it sticks to it and it and it gets rid of old product and it rolls stuff out and i imagine that it does two things for them right it keeps it fresh it means that they don't run out of design space so quickly i i don't play magic but but i am i imagine that within the new releases you get you know, copies or, or not, if not exact copies, very close copies of of stuff that is no longer legal and was only legal, you know, last legal a few years ago. And you can't have, you know, you can't have entire releases based on old stuff just to make it legal again. But you so can I don't one know, or two. I don't know how much Magic does this, but some other card games I've played, they'll have cards that have the like the same name, right? So like, I don't know, Veteran Instincts, for example, right? So they'll take that out but then they'll release another iteration of veteran instincts later on that will do something else uh but you can use both of them with the, as long as the title's right and you know what it does you can use either one both of yeah them. and so there's that and there's i think there's the flip side where you you can rotate stuff out um you know let's say uh it's not um afterburners you could rotate that out and then in th three or four waves time after that you can bring in a card that does something similar which would be redundant if afterburners was still a thing but is a good card to to pad out a pack right and as long as you've got a few genuinely new mechanics and exciting things going along with that i don't think people would mind um so it kind of gives you a little bit of design space it mm. keeps it fresh and as, as cormac made the the, the point this today 
there is a limit, and I'll, Cormac, I'll let you talk about this in more detail, but there is clearly a limit to the amount of plastic spaceships you can produce in an iteration of X-Wing, in an addition of X-Wing. And I was I was sort of listening to Cormac saying, oh, yeah, you know, keep it fresh, change things up, and thinking, yeah, well, how does that make the company money? But if you release card packs, people will buy those, and clearly you can make a profitable, successful game by just selling cards. So I'm I'm was really sold by what you said earlier, Cormac, in terms of that as a as a potential way to kind of protect, you know, elongate the life of the game. Yeah, and I think, but what I think, I think we talk about that in a little bit. Just I think we just finish up on scenarios in that we played the objective scenarios with the one that was used currently, um, the rules that we had, which obviously may not be the rules, etc. And it was just really interesting. Like it was a different way of playing X-Wing. And I think it was a single game. We um but what we found was that your objectives had you placed them down first and then you placed your rocks. And what we found during the game is that now we would place our rocks in a different way because you have to also be careful where your objectives are going to be. Are you going to allow your rocks to interfere you had a big base which meant you could easily pick up the points from objectives so placing the asteroids to limit where your big base could go would have been more important and it was an interesting dynamic during the game because you were making decisions do i go for this point to try and get an objective and just keep one of my ships out of it scoring a point every turn or do i go and actually try and destroy a ship and get the points from that scenario um, and you only get the points when you fully destroy a ship as the rules are at the moment and it was just a really interesting dynamic and it was a one of the kind of most interesting games of x-wing i've played in a while because there it's not that it was better and it's not that it was worse it was just that i was using different brain cells to think about what I had different choices to make and I had different decisions to make and different target priority. And I think that's without even changing your ships, without even changing your lists, the core game has changed to do something that is more interesting. And I think that bit, if they get it right, is actually quite exciting. It's like Alex saying, it is quite, it's something that could be really, really good. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree entirely with that. I think I really enjoyed it as well. Um, and to me, it proved what I already thought was, but is that scenario play in X-Wing and objective-based play in X-Wing will potentially work. So I think if you are one of the people, and I've heard some of them sitting there saying, oh, scenarios won't work in a game that's about continually moving. It's weird. It doesn't, you're wrong. You are wrong. Try it. It is interesting. And you will see, even from the rules that are explained on stream, the potential. Um, but for me, at the moment, it's it's only potential. So so what we were playing and what was described on screen was there are five objective markers on the map. If at the end of the round, you score a point if you have more ships within range one of an objective marker, you get a point for that objective marker, with medium and big bases being worth two ships uh, and small bases being worth one so you know a, a big base will be a, a a single small base um you also got points for destroying ships and that was 10 percent of the points cost of the ship rounded up so if you've got a 51 point ship you're giving away six points you've got a 59 point ship you're giving away six points um 
the and, and it was everything first, you said, first to twenty points and first to twenty points. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was key. Um, and everything you said was true. You know, I had my big base. I managed to park it in the middle of three point uh, three objectives, and because it was a big base, I was scoring all three of them for two turns in a row. And that can, you know, that requires different different thinking. And, and Gormak probably should have put an obstacle there to stop me doing that. Um, I hope that that is not one of one of the scenarios in in the first round. I don't think that they're there yet with the rules that they've explained so far. Um, the the things the things about it I liked were the same as Cormac and we talked about that. You have to think about it differently. You've got interesting choices to make. You have to focus on two things at the same time. For me, the, the kind of flow and the balance of the game fell off. Um, when you score points for ships, they come in massive lumps. You know, Cormac had four ships, I had three. The fact I had a big base kind of evened up a little bit, but that felt like a disadvantage. It felt like a not insignificant disadvantage to have lower ship count in the game. Um, I in the early game had halved two of Cormac's ships. You know, both gotten down to two, one or two health each, and I'd got nothing for it up to that point. Now I later on killed one of them and and, and got a bunch of points for it and actually won the game as a result. But that felt weird, having got so used to the half points and the kind of incremental gains and, and not having that wasted damage. It felt really odd to be in a position where I've put two crits into an ETA. And I might as well not have bothered. Like it didn't make a difference. Um, the I can understand why they haven't got half points because if you let people score half points, then it's very easy to get your twenty points and win the game um, without really having concentrated on the objectives. Um, but then if you don't have half points, it becomes just very very swingy. And the end game, you know, one of the things AMG have said is that are oh, they want to encourage people people attacking each other people keeping fighting to the last moment they don't want you stalling they don't want you running for time and our end game was i think an end game that will be really common in this scenario which is if you're a couple of points off the win maybe even if you're three or four points off the win you should absolutely abandon all thought of getting shot shots on your enemy and you should go and get some objectives um and was the difference had... there i suppose difference there is that would probably only last for one turn as opposed to someone running away for three or four turns plus. Yeah, I think it. I think it can last for a couple of turns. But you're right. It, it won't. It won't last half an hour. So yeah, I agree that that's a positive. Um, I th- as I say, I, I just from what we played, and and you know, you, you may disagree. It just the flow of the game felt weird, and and part of that would be a lack of familiarity with it. But I think part of it felt problematic to me. It felt like it it didn't feel quite right the balance between destroying ships and getting objectives um the way that the board setup was you know your objectives are going to be pretty much evenly spaced out across the middle of the board so there's only ever going to be one or two up for grabs uh, i think the other thing i was going to come on to say is again like with a lot of the other changes i, I the mind boggles as to how you balance this game now um and i think that that is a problem and i think that that maybe these changes are going to be great uh, for third edition if and when it comes, uh, but but the rest of second edition might be pretty tricky. And we had a game where four ships felt better than three. Five ships will feel a lot better than, than three and six even more so. So at least for this quarter of any 
um, tournament you go to, the rounds where you're playing this game mode, three aces is going to struggle, right? Yeah. Three small ship, small base ships, it, it, I think it will be nigh on impossible to win versus five or six ships in this game mode. There is a, a, a couple of potential flip sides to that, though, in the, in the kind of tournament mode, right? So, A, like, if if that's your one scenario out of four that you're bad at, then like maybe you can just punt on that one. Um, and also maybe there will be like another scenario where there's a disadvantage for taking five ships. So even though like one particular ship count is best in like one particular scenario, it penalizes you so much in the other scenario that it kind of balances that way as well. And I, I realize that this is all hypothetical, but that's just kind of a, uh, an element of design space in the scenarios, I suppose, that they could explore. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's, it's definitely one of those. This is where I think if you've got four scenarios and it comes back to that point, it's really hard to balance the scenarios. It's really hard to balance the points around it. But if you've got four scenarios that require different enough skills from the ships or, I suppose, reward different skills enough from ships, then there'll be a degree of balancing automatically done within that because you will not be able to to win a tournament by taking the super strong alpha list because well, that's, that's a big be... if isn't it right and yes, it's not exactly. automatic oh, yes. so exactly. so you're right it would be possible that one of the ways you know there's two ways to go out it you can either try and balance this scenario so there is not an advantageous t- ship type or list type that's probably you know from what we played i think that would be hard to do with this exact scenario um or you can balance it across the day but balancing it across the day you've got whatever you know like oh, five archetypes you know roughly speaking was it four or five pillars of x-wing five archetypes with an x-wing and you need now to not only balance a single type of game or two types of game you need to balance them all in equal and opposite directions so that you're like okay what's our current um, objective scenario okay well that's going to benefit these ship types Let, now we need to make a game type that will not benefit those and will benefit the other things that are bad at that that feels hard that feels yeah. really hard um and and I, I don't i i don't know that i think they can do it that's that's my my worry with all of this i think that the 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 potential is huge I, th- I can see what you're saying about all that, and, and, and I enjoyed it. And I think that the, the variety is good, and I can see the advantage of all of that. I'm on board with everything you guys have said, but I think it all falls apart if it's not balanced. Yeah, that's the that's the big the big sort of downside there, isn't it? Like if they mess it up, then they they really mess it up. Um, I'm not like really blind to that as a potential. I'm just sort of I don't know, like kind of caught up in the excitement of the good points i suppose rather than going too much on how badly they could ruin it all yeah like it's not bad yet so until the point we see that it could still be good so it's it, it is that kind of element of there's still hope at this point yeah. yeah absolutely and and are we at a point now to sort of go on to our kind of overall opinions yes i um, think so i think it'll be a good point to sort of like overall and then wrap up really yeah yeah, and so I'll start because it's kind of feeds quite nicely off, off what you guys have just been saying. Cormac, you're absolutely right. You know, I am cautiously pessimistic, is that a thing? Like, I, I can see the potential in all of this. 
I, at the moment, don't have faith in AMG. And a little bit of that is is my bias for, you know, not liking new things. Oh, who are these new people? You know, they're changing my game. Um, but a little bit of that is is their fault, right? It's it's a result of the parent company of Asmodee moving the game around, the way that was managed, the apparent lack of staff that AMG have to dedicate to X-Wing, the individuals within AMG, how they've communicated, the fact they don't have a website, all of that rolls into my general lack of faith that they are going to be able to pull this off. If they do, keep playing X-Wing. It will be amazing. And the, if they don't, it's not worth thinking about. As Cormac says, it hasn't happened yet. I've got a bunch of plastic spaceships. I've got a bunch of good friends that play this game. I lose nothing by continuing to play, almost however bad it gets, as, if, as long as I'm still having fun. And so what I personally am going to do is continue to play for the next couple of months see what the new rules are like, try them out, keep having having fun with my friends. And if the game is terrible to the point where it stops being fun, at, you know, in February or six months down the line or a year down the line, I haven't lost anything. We find a new game to play and we all remember the good times. You know, and if it's amazing, brilliant. I didn't overreact. I've not lost. I don't have to kind of come crawling back with my tail between my legs once I realize how much fun everyone's having. Um, I think the, the only kind of change in behavior any of us needs is, is in terms of spending money, right? And that just comes down to how much can you afford to spend? So if you're looking at the Razorcrest and that is a significant purchase for you, maybe don't spend that money until you know the game is in a good state. Um, if you if it's not a significant purchase for you if if you can if you can you know not really worry about the 25 quid or whatever it's going to be yeah make the purchase i'd i'd advise making it in a local game store because even if it only lasts a month then that game store is supported and the game store is still there for you to play in later on um but i think that's it i think don't buy the entire new wave if you can't really afford to until you know it's going to be fun in which case you know sell a child or a kidney or whatever and and continue yeah. to play um <laughs> Maybe don't buy it if you can't afford it, even if the game's great, just in case. I mean, I don't know about that. Yeah. I think, you know, there's always credit cards. It's all fine. Um, uh, but otherwise, you know, keep playing. You're not going to lose anything. Um, and I can understand why people are worried. I am worried. And I will be really sad if this all falls apart. But there is a chance that it won't. And there is a chance, I think, that it will be better than it ever has been. Yeah, that and I think it's way more positive than I was expecting you to be in your wrap up, honestly. <laughs> well, You've like, come a long way in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's interesting because like I mean, I would have agreed with like I after that first stream, I was completely I was the same scenario. I taught AMG don't like I after the last stream, I found it exceptionally weird that I was the person who was kind of being the super positive and defending them because I was like going, Hold on. It's not like after the first stream, I was the person who was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's brilliant what they're doing. But I think it's important that we remember that actually the game has to keep going. Um, I thought it was interesting today before we were talking about this, I was looking it up and first edition started in 2012. It went until 2018. Second edition now is in 2018, and we're now in theory in 2022, but you could argue that it's probably only been running really for three years with everything that's happened with COVID. 
we already have one and a half times the number of upgrades and ships from first edition because when we did all the conversion kits everything just got a jump start so there is an awful lot of stuff there and from amg's perspective you you always look at it and kind of go well how are they actually going to make money and it's really really difficult because if you have marvel crisis protocol you can just bring out a new spider-man and that's easy and people go oh my god i love this pose it's brilliant i'm gonna buy that you can't really bring out a new x-wing you can but equally the number of people who are going to buy it is probably going to keep diminishing because everyone goes, well, I've already got five of them. I don't need any more than five of them. Mm. Unless you change the scale, which no one is probably going to do because it actually works quite well. Once you have sold all those ships, you either have to bring out new ships, in which case you get to a point where then it becomes an awful lot. Your design space, as we said, is already at the point where 1.0 was. And there's always going to be space, but maybe it's more limited. And it gets harder then for someone new coming into it because you've got so much different things they don't even know where to start. And if you like someone like you, Alex, who's been playing the game and doesn't even know where to come back into it, that's even more daunting when you've got someone new coming into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was always, I've been thinking about this a while, is that when 2.0 was announced, I kind of thought, oh, the game is in a great place. Why why do we need 2.0? But by the time 2.0 came around, the game was like, it was dead. It was over at that point because it was pretty much a foregone conclusion and everyone was looking forward to 2.0. And I think there's something similar here that we're seeing is, is that it, the game right now is actually in a very good place. Any of the tournaments I've been playing recently, they've actually been really, really good. And there's lots of balance, there's lots of variety, everything is there. But without those freshness and without that change and without the new ships and without the new design space, um, it's not going to stay that way. And it's really limiting for a company like AMG. Like I, I think it's it's tricky because Games Workshop, as I said, can bring out a new Space Marine and it doesn't matter if Souls or Space Marines again. They just can't build, bring out a new X-Wing, maybe one that moves its wings. But the IP and the design is so fixed that yeah, nothing can... They can really do is like bank on all the new star wars content that's due having more spaceships really and yes that's not something that's going to be consistent enough to be able to kind of control the forward roadmap of a game really i don't think no and and as well so i think the way they're looking at it, and it kind of makes sense is that okay well let's look at what what where can we develop stuff and make money and change things and i think doing scenarios and doing thematic packs and releasing a first edition like i don't know there could easily be a smuggling run pack which could have dash release but it comes with its own um scenario where you get special obstacles um that are donut shaped or something i don't know (laughs) but um you know that's where their space can open and then the existing players can actually say well actually i'm going to buy this because i want to get the scenario stuff in it or it comes like with a cool little um like they have scenario for marvel crisis protocol or um, scenery for marvel crisis protocol there's no reason they couldn't introduce stuff like here's a little space station here's a little satellite that's, I think, where we're going to see the game going because they need to make money out of it. Um, thing, I think, and the the thing that I'm less excited about is, like, basically, we've all given them all of our money, right? So, like, 
the people that they want are the new people that don't have the X-Wings, that don't have yes. all of the stuff. Um, and um, that is that is really where they, they want to go, especially with like a, another edition of the game. Um, so, I think... Yeah, I think the new 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 people is interesting, isn't it? Like, I I don't see any of these changes getting new people into the game as they are without the publicity of a third edition, a new release, something that they can get into the hands of board game reviewers on their YouTube channels and things like that. Like, like no one is other than people already playing X Wing. No one cares that the two point five rules have come out. Um, I think yes. where they, I think where they ha- have the potential to kind of increase the longevity of the game is as a sort of prelude to a third edition, uh, which which would be an opportunity to to get new players in. Um, and as Cormac said, and it's something I hadn't thought about before today, you know, if they start releasing card packs that go along with a new limited format, or you know, card, you know. Uh, obstacles that go along with the new scenarios you know you need to manage that you don't want people to feel like they you know people are funny aren't they right we will all happily buy every new spaceship but tell somebody that they need to buy five pounds worth of cards (laughs) to keep playing in a tournament and they'll they'll flip out um so it needs to be managed well but but that is a way that they could keep making money one until third edition and two within third edition so that they can release new ships as and when Disney get round to putting them on a screen somewhere, but they're not reliant on that happening regularly. Yeah, and I think I don't know I, I've sort of my gut feeling is that this is kind of like a sort of open beta test for third edition. Basically, this is kind of where they want to go in the future, and the fact that they are doing it makes me think that we're likely to see a third edition rather than just a completed second edition and then AMG focus on something completely different within the Star Wars or whatever. Um, so, hey, like in the in the kind of long, long term, it's it's I find it all quite reassuring, really. Like, it's sad that like a whole bunch of people are kind of like feeling alienated and wanting to quit the game because it's not the game that they like. Um, uh, that honestly, that really bums me out, and like, I don't think I'm going to change anyone's mind, like, with my stupid opinions on that. But, like, the fact that the game will kind of keep going potentially longer than it otherwise would have done, and I, I'm I'm saying potentially a lot, right? Like, there's a lot of unknowns here, and I'm sort of choosing to focus on the kind of positive spin on it. But it seems like they're at least trying. Uh, sort of make the best of a difficult situation and there is potential for it to kind of like work and be great in like five, ten years time. We hope. Well, we, we hope. hope, yeah. I mean, I doubt, I don't, I don't know how many people that I know are going to still be playing this game in ten years time, but um, we'll see. I mean, I probably still will be if it's, uh, if, if it's even anything approaching, but, um, you know, I don't like change. <laughs> Right, that seems like a good place to end it. Everyone happy? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd just like to start the show out by saying happy Christmas to everybody. Um, give it a chance. Keep playing X-Wing. It's still fun. Uh, definitely, if you live in or around London, come to the tournaments. Um, we're having a good time, but we're missing you. And I am excited to play again um, as soon as the outside world becomes marginally less scary again 
Yes, indeed. I would like to um, just mention to Thule Squadron, if they're still listening, I heard you commentating on my match from the Lima Open, and I heard the references to it being a potato. And don't worry, I will remember them. They're nothing but trouble. Yeah. It feels um, like at this point as, as well, we should also like create some mythical beef with the Sith takers. Um, like our podcast. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> That's really good. I was, I've been listening to it recently. They've had some good uh, takes on all of this. Um, I haven't listened to an excellent podcast in about a year and a half. Um, so I'm like extra unqualified to be like hosting this one but that's why i've got you guys well you know, michael not... jackson like you won't listen to anybody else's music in case it influences your art no i've just gotten really into other things um but like <laughs> like michael jackson <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i was thinking as well <laughs> uh, i'm gonna nothing i can say now is gonna make me sound better i think um so yeah, i don't know what to say now I'm excited for X-Wing again. <laughs> Isn't this exciting? Yay! Yeah, it is. Bye-bye, everyone. Distract you. Look at the snow that's falling outside. Ah, you fell for it. Bye, everyone. Cool. I'm so out of practice at this. I can't even... Ugh. I mean, that's that's your standard opening, right? I thought that was like a, a running gag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I, uh, yeah, I need to do an opening. That's true. I need to go and have a toilet first, actually. So, okay, like, cool. Hold that thought, and I'll do that now. And then you can yeah. like make fun of me when I can't hear. Please turn your mic off. <laughs> now we're about to find out how far away his bathroom is. <laughs>